welcome back to the In The Round Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Will Hunt, and joining me this week is the trident tyrant, David Harris. Hi, Will. Thanks on that one. <laughs> that, that nickname, ladies and gentlemen, comes from the fact that Dave used to, when we were in, we were young boys in year seven in school, David Harris always had trident orange gum. We never worked out why he had tried orange gum all the time, uh, although there was a rumour that his mum worked in the Trident factory. No, I can, I can shed some light on that one. Bro. Okay, like, it's a David Harris scoop for you. Me, me and my uh, sister both liked it, so my mum just used to buy like the multi-packs for, for cheap, and we just end up taking it in. Not really sure why, but like didn't even try and sell it in the playground really well, just gave it away. So you had a bit of a customer base, Dave, weren't you? That's yeah, I, I don't really remember, mate. It was a long time ago. Uh, the Pablo Escobar of gum, they also called him. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, ladies and gentlemen, you might be wondering where the dulcet tones of Mikey Breslin are. Well, he's actually sodded off and gone on holiday. He's gone to Wuhan. Will he be coming back? We don't know. But <laughs> in the meantime, me and Dave are going to take you through the demise of FC Barcelona. Now... This episode is going to be a more focused one. And we were going to talk about the Champions League in in um, general. However, as Dave can see, but the rest of you lovely viewers can't see, behind me in my room is currently Bayern Munich are playing a 2-0 up against Lyon in the Champions League semi-final. So we didn't think it was right to uh, to give you, what should we say, a, a preview of the final. And we thought we probably should just instead focus on perhaps the shock of the entire season in the Champions League, which is, of course... Bayern Munich slapping Barcelona 8-2 in the quarterfinal of the Champions League. Um, before we go further, and we're going to talk about the game itself, but we're also going to talk about um, how it's almost as emblematic of the problems that have been at Barcelona for the last couple of years. Before all that, Dave, when you saw 8-2, when you saw that result written down, that they'd beaten Barca 8-2, how did you feel? How shocking was it? Oh, just... I can't really believe it. Well, I thought I know this Bayern team's really strong, um, but I thought, yeah, I thought it'd be closer. Like Barcelona throughout our entire lifetime, especially the last ten years, have been a team that they sort of always fight against the odds. Like we saw when they came back against PSG. Uh huh. Yeah. And they went into this game like an all or nothing due to the current climate of of how they're sat in these European competitions, and you'd expect any Barcelona team to. Even if they're going into it, slight underdogs, underdogs, which... Underdogs. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Sorry, I, I got... Davin, go, carry on. Davin Gogg's uh, lesser-known <laughs> cousin, Will. Oh, <laughs> um, oh dear. Um, so, yeah, I, I thought, you know, there'd be a tough test, this Bayern team, for Barca, but 8-2 was... Yeah. Almost reminiscent of when... Arsenal Man United had the same score and I was like, Oh, this this team maybe been on a bit of a dip, but I didn't think they were at this this level yeah. of abyss. I just so, couldn't believe it. Couldn't so eight, believe it. eight two is one of those um it's it is weird that in future years we'll look back and we'll say that Barcelona would be eight two by Bayern and sort of after the the whole COVID mess has been sort of forgotten. We're going to forget <laughs> in a way that these are single elimination games. Because 8-2 yeah. sounds like the... If, if, Bar, if Barca had lost 8-2 over two legs, you'd say that's embarrassing for a club like Barcelona. But also it's indicative of just a good team 
beating another team, for example, if both legs are 4-1. Um, and to be honest, the, that game was very much a a two-legged tie, but in 90 minutes, because Barca were beaten so comprehensively on a football um, landscape. And we will get onto that, that they lost 4-1 in the first half based on how good Bayern were. And then the 4-1 in the second half was, it was a lot of giving up and there was a lot of lethargy. And they sort of lost out on a totally different level. Mm-hmm. So in a way, it was like a two-legged one. But I must admit, me and me, you, we've talked about Pep's Barcelona on this podcast before and how we've probably lived through Barcelona's glory years. They've won three Champions League, four Champions Leagues in the time that I remember being alive. Um, so we've sort of lived through the golden years and it, it's like every dynasty eventually is going to fall. Mm-hmm. So let's start with the game itself. Bayern Munich are clearly the front runners for this um, competition. They are yeah. they're masterful. They do have their flaws, as we saw early, particularly with the fact that at one stage in this game, it was one-one. Yeah, yeah, and Bar and Bayern, sorry, Barcelona were exploiting the um, were exploiting the high line of Bayern, and we we saw that. But for you, Dave, was. How when in that first half, when Bayern were pressing them at such a, a high, unbelievable intensity, is that perhaps the fact that Barcelona, a team that we all associate with passing football, couldn't play their way through them? Is that how worrying is that for you in terms of them having an identity? Yeah, I, I mean, as you've already said about it being in game two halves, so that first half, I just felt that Bayern basically came up with a plan and they executed it perfectly. Uh Uh But having said that, the Barca team just couldn't compete. And it's just so weird even saying a Barca team can't compete, really. Um, It's worrying because their their whole philosophy is is being on the ball pretty high pressing as well. Um, Yeah. And they they basically were stopped from doing anything. There wasn't, yeah, yeah there there wasn't anything that they seemed able to do. They just seemed powerless, basically. It just yeah, how many Bayern wanted to score, but it was just a question of how good they were. Um, in terms of finishing chances, Barca were just all over the place. Maybe they need a bit of a reality check in terms of some of the players that will come on to. Yeah. Um, but I just, I mean, overall this season, Barca have re- somehow not secured the league yeah. when it looked like they were going to quarterfinals yeah. in the Champions League and quarterfinals in the Copa del Rey. They really have not hit any expectations at yeah. all this season. They've been truly awful for for their circumstance. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about the league position. We'll talk about a league position a bit later on. But I think for me, the the first. With this game, sorry, I said for me, I'm sounding like you, Dave. Um, <laughs> I think the thing in this game was that really showed it was a the performance of Sergio Busquets because mm-hmm. um, Bayern was so compact that and they were that they were they needed Busquets to be his usual magnificent press resistant self at the base of the midfield and they needed him to control that and to play um, balls through. And they just couldn't do that. And he wasn't screening particularly well either. Because Bayern was so compact 
when they were out of possession that they couldn't get Busquets couldn't play the ball through the lines to Messi, for example. He couldn't play the, they had they had to go out wide and they sort of played into the, the hands of, of Bayern Munich. But on the other on the other way round, um there was a moment in the first half where um Boateng picks up the ball and just drills one through the middle on the ground to Lewandowski and he picks it up in space. And you're just like, well, you're just like, this is tactical suicide. It's just, mm. it's, it's, a, it's a team that, it's a team that's, that's aging, that doesn't have the work rate to keep up with a team like Bayern anymore. Yeah, they, they just don't have the legs. They look that's so what I came down to. So old. Well, I think, I think the legs is as much as part of they're just, just set up badly. But they, mm. for, I think for too, for too long, they've been carried by Messi's brilliance. Yeah. And, um, I think that's probably a. I, I think before we move on, though, let's let's not kid ourselves by not saying how good this Bayern team is and how special they are. Yeah, they are. They're complete, and the fact that Leroy Sane is getting thrown into oh, that team God. as well next year. Wow, what what a powerhouse! What a team. Yeah, I mean Lewandowski. Lewandowski's putting up Ronaldo and Messi numbers, which yeah. in itself is incredible. I find um, it really. Sad for him that he won't get the Ballon d'Or he deserves this year, really. Yeah, well, there's an inter- there's an interesting case actually that you could you'd, you'd say to yourself that if if PSG were to win the 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 Champions League final, Neymar would be a shout. True, for it. true. But I, I do think you're right that this would have been one of those years where we finally see the Messi Ronaldo, although Modric broke it kind of, we see it properly shattered. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so. What was really interesting for me is, and I've gone to you again. Um, do you remember there was after Pep left Barcelona? Um, I can't remember the bloke's name. Uh, it wasn't Luis Enrique? Was it? No, not Luis. No, Enrique. no. One bit, the one in the middle, Mourinho mm-hmm. poked him in the eye. Tito Villanova. Yeah, yeah. Tito Villanova came in and he sort of stuck to the principles of um, Pep Guardiola. And they kept that I that the crew the Cruyff principles, um, and then they got destroyed by Bayern Munich as Bayern mm-hmm. Munich went on to win the treble, and it was it's quite a bit of symmetry that that one way of playing and that dominance of Barcelona was destroyed emphatically by a Bayern team, and the same sort of happened again. But they've been I say that to say they've been moving away from their principles for a while now. The whole point of Luis Enrique was they were reliant on Suarez, Neymar, and Messi. These yeah. three absolutely individual talents, kind of Galacticos in a way. Yeah. And um, over and over the years now they've got away from that style and they're reliant on these players. And this game, perhaps Dave was due. It was coming, wasn't it? Yeah, I. I think it's been brewing for a while, really. Um, to be honest, even the last couple of years with this Barca team, not that obviously I watch like every league game or whatever, I'm not going to pretend that's the case, but when I've watched them play, um, it's usually like the resounding brilliance of Messi or Suarez yeah. being clinical that yeah. gets them through the games. And I had sort of been thinking for a while, if, if there's ever a season or even a competition where Messi isn't at the very top or... Suarez is out, Suarez isn't finishing. Mm. If this team can actually carry itself and 
God, they sank, didn't they? They just yeah, sank. They really did. Um, so I think the, the I think the next thing really to talk about is to talk about this idea of the Galactico, because there's almost been two two strands of Barcelona recruitment over the last couple of years. You've got your um, Neymar went summer of 2015, 200 million. Tried to replace him with Coutinho. Tried to replace him with Usman Dembele. Recently, they tried to replace him with Griezmann. Griezmann, yeah. You've got your Galactico ones like that. And then you've got your smaller players like Malcolm, Gomez. Junior Firpo. Uh, In that you'd say since, 20, since, since the Neymar, since 2015... So not Suarez, you'd really say that the only real success they've success they definitely had is to Stegen. And then you'd probably say that on this is Longley. This is out there, Will, but statistically, since since those signings, Paulinho has been the best statistical outfield player. Which is wild because they yeah. hated him at the time. Yeah. Um as soon as a bid came back in for him, they snapped it up. But statistically, for outfield players, in terms of what he did in his appearances and how he sort of complemented the team, it's actually Paulinho that, in terms of outfield players, had been the best. Yeah. Which is is wild for a player that looked maybe below average at Tottenham. But it's sort of like I don't know about you, Dave, and we're obviously on this podcast. We we. We, we love English football. It's what we're all about. Um, come on, Billy Gilmore. Uh, we love all that. But we do look out at the continent, but we don't see your weekly Barcelona fixtures. So no. so we don't see that these players are perhaps not fulfilling their roles as they should. But what I'm going to say is, of name of take Coutinho and Griezmann, those two signings. I don't know about you. But when I saw Barcelona buy those players for that money, I thought to myself at the time, me, Will Hunt, not qualified football scouts at all, was like, well, that's not going to work. Yeah. To be honest, I had more hope for Coutinho because when Coutinho left Liverpool, he was a pretty, become pretty good number 10, to be honest. And you can also, because his left foot's so strong, you can maybe get away with playing him on the left wing, mm. which we saw at Bayern. However, Griezmann, oh, if Griezmann was younger, it maybe makes sense a little bit. I but, don't think it would either. But but even then, I'm like, you can't drop Messi or Suarez. Well, you can't drop Suarez through the middle for Griezmann, and Griezmann's not, he's just not quick enough, really, to play left wing for you. And uh. when Messi's ageing and same with Suarez, you sort of need someone with some... Some real pace, pace up top. Yeah, that needs that so, stretches the defence, which is what Neymar yeah, used they, to do. Yeah, and they've just they just haven't had that. I mean, when we talk about player recruitment, I find it hilarious, really, that one player they signed for huge money came off the bench for Bayern and scored two and set up another against them. Coutinho. It just and the the weirdest thing at the end of that game was Coutinho was sort of staring at the Bas players on the floor like shit. I've I've got to go back to being you next year. Um, I, I think I think with the Coutinho, yeah, it was so weird those two transfers because Coutinho, although he did play on the left, he's he was his best role is is in is more in the middle. Yeah, and it's the agreed. same with Griezmann, but Barcelona have got the best player of all time. 
who plays right and drifts inside. So <laughs> it, it felt like they were signing people to replace Neymar, but what they actually were doing was they were just clogging up the space for Messi. Like Griezmann and Messi are similar. They operate in... I mean, they're not similar. They operate in similar areas of the pitch. It just yeah. feels like awful squad planning, quite frankly. Feels... Part of me thinks that Barca's board kept making these marquee signings to try and appease the fans almost yeah. as much as it it being practical to put any of these players in a system with their yeah. current players, really. Um, I mean, we've talked about players not being good. I think, to be honest, Frankie de Jong's a pretty good signing. Yes, yes. But it's, He's it's, again, maybe it's too the exception. Yeah, yeah that's true. That's true, I guess. But yeah. he... He doesn't look terrible, but players like Malcolm, let's not forget they signed Arda yeah. Turan for thirty million. Yeah, he's now accosting people in the Turkish hospital. Yeah, that's genuinely just... true. Go yeah, look it up, know, everyone. I know, I know. <laughs> he took a gun in there. That was it's wild just... stuff. It's, um... just, it's just wild that this team have signed players like that. They also bought Alcacer and Andre Gomez for sixty million, and you're just like, they're not. Combined, that is, but you, have, like, they're not Barcelona players. I've been on this podcast for many a year trying to work out what Andre Gomez, Gomez, he is bloody Gomez, and um, been trying to work out what they're good at, and I don't know. Um, it is, I think, poor recruitment is easy to overlook when, like Barcelona, you've got a team that is so good, that's been there, won it all, and is experienced. Um, but what you would say is that PK's 33, Suarez is. 34. 34, and he's got knee problems. Messi's turned 33. Um, Vidal's like 33. Vidal's 33. Alba's getting on. 31. Busquets and Busquets are both 32 now. A lot of the key players are now over Over the hill. They've lost Iniesta, who, although he's probably passed it himself now, is still a a key part of their team. Once you've... So they're in desperate need of a squad refresh. However... The, the president, Bartomeu, has been out earlier this week saying there are untouchables at the club in Messi, um, to Stegen, uh, De Jong and Longley, and he might have said one or two others. But he's he's certainly opened the market for a lot of these players. I go- think Amtiti will leave, to be honest. Yeah, he's, he's opened the market for a lot of these players to go. But they have huge... But these players have huge wages. Yeah. Um, and as we've just said, most of them are over the hill. Not over the hill. Most of them are getting on. Yeah. Looking, looking at... I, the thing is, I'm looking at this. PK, I could see... PK will get a move wherever he wants to go because he's still a very good centre-half Yeah. Uh, in a world where there's a shortage of them. But looking at the others, Dave, can you see any realistic transfer destinations for people that make all the wages and are looking at the time frame where it's win now? I could see... I could see Rakitic being like a cut price signing for someone, but not even like a top team, like a like an Everton or someone. Yeah, Just, yeah. So the bottom yeah, of- but that's the sort of that's the sort of team I could see him going to. I can't see any top top team crying out for even Rakitic. He's just too slow, really, for what he does now. What's really um, interesting about Rakitic as well is Barcelona tried to shift him on a free last summer, but to Sevilla, but Sevilla weren't willing to pay 7.5 million a year wages, which is fair enough if you don't want, and he didn't want to give it up, which is fair enough. But it's another wrinkle. Uh, talking of these transfers, well, I couldn't believe this. I had to really Google it because I didn't want to believe it. 
there's a Spanish newspaper. I mean, they're, they're, I hope they're talking tosh. But PK is linked with a move to Fulham. To right? Fulham, yeah. That's Have it. you seen who who Coman is looking at bringing in instead? Who? Michael Keane. And yeah, I I literally was googling this. Like, there's no way that anyone has even written this. But it's actually in a Spanish newspaper, and I'm like, if they sign Michael Keane, who's like a possibly below average centre back in the Premier League, what the hell? <laughs> what the uh, hell? Now, from years of reading Spanish, uh, I hope it's Spanish waffle, Spanish really rumours during the transfer things. I've learnt one thing about Spanish newspapers, Dave, and that is they're only good for wiping your ass. Um, however, that being said. Michael Keane, number five at Barcelona. Michael Keane is the fine is probably the only person who could replace Puyol. Um, being... Puyol? <laughs> no, I meant Puyol because he still hasn't really been replaced. But um, oh, right, okay. I tell you what, I, I'm thinking about it now. I would have PK. I would have if PK wants to come and do a year in London. Yeah. Get the get to the, get to Fulham, but just go to the right club. <laughs> um, I think it's probably worth just um taking a move now to say that there is like Sid Lowe who if you don't read Sid Lowe you should read Sid Lowe because anything anyone has ever said about Spanish football that's intelligent has come from Sid Lowe and he did a wonderful piece all about the problems behind the scenes at Barcelona and if you can really pinpoint the the start of the problems um with Bartomeu um ascending to the club presidency in 2015 um, we've seen earlier this year, um, we've seen over the years that the players have fallen out with him at various times. Yeah. Messi's not, he's not popular with Messi. No. Um, elections of Barcelona announced that the next presidential election is March 2021. Um, the reason I mentioned Sid Lowe is because Sid Lowe has been very vocal in saying, doesn't matter what you change on the pitch, doesn't matter who you sack, because Coman will be the third manager this year alone. Um, doesn't matter who you change unless you've, you really have a restructuring of the club. Dave, how worrying is it for a club like Barcelona that the person at the top seems to just be totally clueless? Well, I was going to say, even before touching on that, I find it worrying that they've even appointed Komen. Like, Komen's mm. like an ex-player and he's not exactly hit the heights as a manager. Like, off his managerial record, you would never expect him to end up at Barcelona. No. Really. No. Um, and it worries me that maybe he's taking a job that they sort of want a bit of a yes man for. Like yeah. they want someone to definitely break the the sort of tension between the squad and off the field. And a manager like Komen, who has like an allegiance to the club and also I hope recognises himself that he shouldn't really be in that job. He might be a bit more <laughs> by the by the book. So I'll tell you um, what, I'll tell you what, something tells me that Ronald Koeman's not the type of person who's a bit, who's humble, so. Oh yeah, that's true, I guess. But I think, like, all the stuff I've seen, obviously they had, like, six board members resign during, uh, in response to the club uh, at the start of, like, the, the lockdown um, due to not agreeing with stuff the club was doing. In that batch of six was, I'm not sure on his name, but he was the believed to be like the predecessor um sorry not predecessor like the Protege. the replacement for Bartomeu um he's got it and it's, it is worrying that 
someone at the top is doing this. If that, the huge, I mean, the finances as well haven't been controlled to the yeah. point where there's rumours of that 800 million loan. I don't know if that's actually gone through or if that's something Barcelona have taken out. But that just shows you how clueless the top is. And coming back to the top, they've been throwing out these wages because they had a club that was winning a lot of competitions. So you're mm-hmm. getting that extra prize money, probably bringing an extra sponsorship every single year. Yeah. Um, however, the way they've gone about it is ridiculous. Like giving players who are 29 or 30 these huge deals yeah. just so they don't go anywhere else. Mm. is a little bit baffling um i just i just find it a shame that i mean maybe these things at the top had been going on for ages and yeah, just because they just have. because they've been doing okay on the pitch they've sort of carried it uh it's sort of gone under the rug but now things are really starting to fall apart it's apparent that they're falling apart probably more off the pitch and on the pitch it's fair to say the yeah. whole it's it's not the team, it's it's the club that yeah. is the the problem. I think I think you I think you've hit the nail on the head to be honest. And I think that the off the pitch stuff is now affecting on the pitch. This we've the worry about Barcelona has been there. We've been, all heard the rumblings about it not being particularly good over there, and that the league titles were just papering over the cracks. You saw how they people were angry at Valverde for his style of play, and you just saw that Barcelona since Bartomeu came in charge, look. Look, Barcelona have this idea of Mescaun club, which means more than the club. It's personally, I think it's absolute bullshit, and I think I, I always think it's been bullshit because I think Bar- I think Barcelona have a much more inflated opinion of themselves than they actually are. I think they're yeah. a bunch of cheats, quite frankly. They got banned, but that everyone overlooks that. However, that being said, there is a feeling about Barcelona that they have to be above reproach, and they have to play this. They have to be at the school of Cruyff. They have to play this wonderful football. They've got to bring people from La Masia through, and that's how it works. Now, over the last couple of years, what have you seen? Results in Europe have taken a massive downturn. It's not enough to win the league when you've got the best player in the world. You've got to challenge for the Champions League. We saw collapse in Rome. We saw a collapse at Anfield, and we've just seen a collapse against Bath Bayern. So that all that tells me is that something's not right at the club. And then I think when you go back and you look at this season, if you look at the fact that um, Valverde went, you look at the way Setien's gone and he's been getting angry with the players. You look at Messi, who isn't Messi has never been. He's not Ronaldo. He's never been a massive speaker in the media. Yeah. He took shots at Eric Abadal over I was the whole. Abadal has been a very interesting yeah. one. They. Well, Bartomeu basically got an got him in, being like he's a ex player. He's a yes man. Is what he he's a yes man, but also he played with Messi and could maybe bridge some with the players. And really, yeah. all he did was antagonise the players with yeah. what he said. And well, it says a lot that he's been sacked. That's why I bring him up because um, Abidal said that the the players were responsible for the play, relationship with the players were responsible for Valverde's sacking. Now that's been refuted by Messi publicly on Instagram, and yeah. he's also it's also been something that's been refuted in the press afterwards. But he made such a pig's ear of it that I was surprised he was still there. But let's not forget the amount, the sheer amount of power that a player like Messi rightly holds at Barcelona. Yeah, yeah. But I think what's really important is at the start of this week, after all this, Eric Abidal was to stay and look over the restructuring of the squad. He's now been sacked. What does that tell you about long-term planning of a club? 
when such a key figure, such, let's be honest, someone who's an icon at Barcelona, if you're going on the football manager definition of icon, yeah. um, he's an icon at the club and he's been moved on in such a, in such a brute, not, not brutal, but, you know, quick fashion that shows no idea of a long-term plan at the club. And that, no. I think, tells you everything you need to know about Bartomeu's... Bartomeu? I don't care. He's shit. Yeah. I'm not going to say his name. I think that tells you everything you need to know about this club. Absolutely everything. Yeah, I agree well. I think... I, I mean, when, when you even look at this season alone, it looks like they've sort of been treading water for a while. Mm. And now, now they're unable to really paper over any of the cracks and it's all crumbling really yeah. I just touching as well on what you said about them building from the academy mm. is their academy even any good anymore? no that's the big problem you look at the Pep Guardiola team how many of those players at one point came through La Masia look oh, so many there. so many and they've, they've most of the team producing. possibly maybe yeah, five or six maybe seven of the starting 11 most of the team and now they've stopped producing and it's like so and but and as we've touched on, Barcelona are not replacing that with quality additions in the transfer market. No, they're not. So this is always going to it's coming my, to a head at once. My thing with Barca is when you look at their squad, they've got what Ansu Fati who looks good, who they may have to cash in on. Uh, what's his name? P- Puig. Uh, P U I G. I know I, I've I'm said it say, wrong. I'm going to say that. It sounds like it'd be Puig, but I've not got a clue who you're talking. Yeah. P-U-I-G, he, he looks good when he's played a few times. Nelson Semedo's still quite young. Oh, he's shite, though. Usman Dembele still has potential, but I'm really not sure. But most, they don't really have... Longley's not massively old, uh, but most of the players are old. There doesn't seem to be like those exciting youngsters coming through that they're always used to be. Yeah. Even players like Sergio Roberto... You'd think he'd be young because he's come through, but he's like 27. Where's that guy in Sulin? It's one for your FIFA 07. Uh, he'd probably he'd probably get in their academy now, mate. You know what? I used to drop Messi for him. Um, <laughs> it is a bit of a side note, Will, what we said about Barca's academy. I don't think it's necessarily at Barca have done anything wrong for their academy to get worse. I just think a lot of teams have made their academies so much better. Like Man City and Liverpool. And, and yeah, fine. And Chelsea, I guess. But basically guess what's happened... we're better than Liverpool. Get a grip. Okay, okay. But Barcelona were pretty much, even like 10, 15 years ago, one of the only teams that would scout all over the world Yeah. to look for players. And most teams have realised as money has just exploded within the game. Yeah. You need to try and get this young talent before you're paying 70, yeah. 80 million for it in a transfer window. So Man City, I, I will use it as an example because they never had the resources to do that 10, 15 years ago. And now they're scouting everywhere, always pulling in loads of young players. They have the money to offer these young players more than most other teams, crucially. Yeah. And even if you look at the German clubs... I mean, they'd started doing it anyway, but well, it's not just Bar- it's not just Barcelona's academy that sort of looks all over the world. Most big teams do that now. Yeah. So whereas Barca were able to to get there to most players before anyone would really know of them, when there's a Barca scout, there's probably seven or eight other. 
big team scouts there at the same time now. So yeah. it's just well, sort of the climate of the game that's changed. What I would say is if you're a scout for Barcelona and you can't get someone to move to Barcelona over a dump like Liverpool, what are you really doing in the game? <laughs> oh, well, here we go. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, it's interesting you mentioned midway through that because this is there's an old saying that money makes the world go round. And as bad leadership and everything and ageing squad... The only real thing you would say is for a club like Barcelona, the obvious thing now is to restructure your squad to bring in some new players, which is going to require big transfer fees. It's going to require big wages. However, <laughs> we had a little pandemic, which has meant that a lot of revenue for Barcelona, which is heavily... A little pandemic. Up. There it little is, pandemic. Gents. Just We're a little with one. the most understated just a little one. statement. Just a couple of thousand deaths. Um... But so it's all oh, a couple of thousand. Um, no, joking apart, pandemic has blown a further hole in Barcelona's crisis. And let me be honest, they had ser- they had serious economic problems before. They, yeah. Their wage bill is astronomical. It's something like far, it's some ridiculous amount of millions. I think far, I want to say five hundred, but I'm not hundred percent sure that's true. Um, but they don't have the money to restructure their squad. Um, no, and as usually they don't. And as we've said. Um, it's not. It's not like there's uh, a, a white knight waiting in the wings from their academy to make everything all better. Um, and Ronald Koeman doesn't seem to be the person for the job. <laughs> doesn't seem no. to be the person who's going to do the, lead them like Pep Guardiola to the European zenith. So my question for you, Dave, is: Lionel Messi's got a year left on his contract, and I believe he has an opt-out. If you're Messi, do you leave Barcelona? You see, it's hard. I was gonna. I was thinking on the other foot. I was thinking, if you're Kuman, do you do you keep Messi being like this really pinnacle part of your team, knowing that you're gonna lose him at the end of the year? If oh. I was Messi, I would get out of there. But I don't know where he'll go to because his wages are so high that he may want to stick those wages out for the year. I don't know where he goes other than Argentina or possibly Man City. You don't know where he goes? Yeah, but who's putting uh, the money up for let, him, let, Will? Let me, let me tell you right now. If, if but who's putting the money Man, up for Man City him? do it in a heartbeat, for example. No, so, so I'm saying Man City, yeah, because they have the money and they have Pep. United do it in a heartbeat. PSG move everyone around to do it in a heartbeat. Tell you who else would try to do it, just because it'd be really funny. I think Madrid think about it. Yeah, true, Well, probably would. I think the I think the thing for Messi is the suitors, and I think he makes so much money. And I, commercially, that, yeah. Yeah, I don't think money for a player like Messi. I don't think money. I think he wants to be paid what he's worth, but I don't think money is the main drive for him. I think the main drive for him is I want my fifth Champions League. I yeah. Want fifth Champions League. I don't. I want to win trophies. I don't want to be sat here as I'm whiling away the end of my career with a team that's not going to be able to match my ambitions i mean i i think if i if i was him uh i would i would look to leave but oh i think i would leave god wow what does barca team do with men messi god but what do they do with messi well yeah again that's another question mark does kuman play him every week knowing that his best player is leaving and there's nothing he can do about it that would probably cause problems within the I, dressing room I, because I don't, I don't think that I don't think that 
if if you're any manager worth your salt in professional football, if you've got Lionel Messi, you play him in every game that matters. Every game, regardless of what his contract situation is, you play him in it. If he's fit and he's willing to play, you play him in every game because he's your best chance of winning. No, I get that, but also the atmosphere at Barca is already volatile. Imagine if their key player was basically like, I'll play because I'm contracted, not because I want to. It's just another dynamic for them to have to worry about. Yeah, and we've talked on here before, particularly with regards to players like Ryan Frazier and Christian Eriksen, how... Having a toxic having a toxic presence in your dressing room affects the club. I think, quite frankly, all the players have such a deep respect for Messi from what we can see that I genuinely don't think that would matter. And I also think that Messi loves Barcelona. He does, yeah. Like, I, I and I think I think that even if even if he thought to himself, "I'll play this last year and then I'm gone," I, I think no one would have a problem. It would be a, it would be almost like a farewell tour. For for him, it would be more of an emotional decision than a yeah. a practical one. But I I think also I that, think that like whatever needs to be made. However, this ends between him and the club. He owes his entire career to that club. Yeah. Because they gave, they invested him with the growth hormones. They Messi wasn't from a good background, particularly in terms of finances. They paid for him to come over, everything like that. If no one does that for him, Messi is definitely not the footballer he turned out to be. So, no, and he it's the only club he's ever played for. He, he's never had to, Newell's he's never had boys. to walk into another dressing Newell's room. Newell's old boys, he's played yeah, for but him. yeah, but it's as an adult, he's played for his entire yeah, senior career has been one as one team. It, it'd be very hard for him to leave behind the only club that he's really ever known, but oh. but then. In his uh, another part of him is like I'd rather leave now than risk staying another season and things get toxic between me and the fans or even between him and the club as a whole. I don't. I think I think there's clearly problems between him and the the board at the club. I think there's no. Uh, I mean, if, if the Barcelona fans would ever turn on Lionel Messi, they deserve to be put into a cannon and fired into the sun. Like get I mean, it that's true. Yeah, just an thing for them. Yeah, the blokes. The blokes. Are the best player you're ever going to have at the club. Probably ever going to see at the club. Yeah, well, definitely, definitely. Um, but I think the problem for Barcelona is um, there's no way out of this. There's no. N- there's no easy way out of this. You Domestically, Madrid look better. Continentally, Bayern look better. Um, Madrid again look better. Chelsea look better. Um, so you've got all those, you've got all those things. In that this isn't an easy fix, and um, yeah, I, I I don't have. It's not one of those ones where there's answers. Um, what they'll probably do is they'll probably spend two hundred million on getting Neymar back, and then they'll paper over the cracks until they've come to the semi finals. There's, no, there's no way they get Neymar back. No I, chance. I don't know. No chance. I don't know. It's not happening. I tell you what, if I were Neymar and I win the Champions League with PSG, I well if. If Barca buy back Neymar, you can have an you can make an entire episode of me saying there's no way Neymar goes back to Barca on repeat. Can we get you? Can we get you? Can we get it tattooed on you? No, that's quite a lot of words, though, isn't it? All right, I change that. If if Neymar goes back to Barcelona, will you tattoo on the sole of your foot like Andy from Toy Story, the trident tyrant? (laughs) No. 
What about Dyson Fury or any of the other nicknames? No, I was, I was singing just Neymar. Just, oh, I see what... Neymar's even funnier. I'll have Neymar across the bottom of your foot, please. Yeah, but... Yeah, okay, we did it? Yeah, fine. All right, fine. Yeah, we are. It's a virtual shake. I, I hope this doesn't happen. I hope that you, like me, will be in Neymar's Instagram comments every day telling him to go back to Barcelona, because I certainly will. Is he... Now I'm worried now for that. No, I'm like, it's going to happen, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is. And it's going to be fantastic. Just to clarify, well, only on one foot. Oh, I wasn't thinking both foot. Because well, I'm I'll... just saying, because if I didn't say it, you'd be like, we didn't say it. I have to get it like woody on both feet, but it's Neymar. <laughs> right, right. Okay, right. Well, with that being on that bombshell, I think <laughs> potential bombshell. Potential, potential bombshell. bombshell. That'll probably do it for this week. Um, a discussion on the demise of Barcelona. Um, Mike will hopefully be back next week from Wuhan. Um, but in the just mean... clarify, he hasn't gone to Wuhan, guys. Well, don't say that. All well, right, I didn't want them thinking he was in those pool party pictures. My friends <laughs> never missed the opportunity to be in a pool party. Um, in shorts. Anyway. <laughs> Anyway, if you want to keep up to date with everything Mike's doing, you can follow him at Mikey Breslin on Twitter. And if they want to follow you, Dave, where can they do that? Uh, at Dave Harris underscore 44. And you can follow me at Wilhunt17, but please don't, please don't follow us at In and Around Podcast at Gmail. Oh, no, In and Around Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. <laughs> I was getting ahead of myself, Dave. I'll tell you what, it's tired. I'm late. Um, and if you want to send us questions, you can do so by going to In and Around pod at gmail.com um this was fun dave it was nice to talk about a team that it we was. don't we don't talk about quite so much as often and i tell you what it's nice to see barcelona finally get their comeuppance for that disastrous refereeing job that we saw in 2009 when they paid off Henning's <laughs> and he rightly got death threats well and also the bring your own officials against yeah, psg yeah. where goals were definitely offside and that one was definitely not a penalty definitely not i tell you what it couldn't be happening to a nicer club <laughs> gentlemen until next time in which we will be talking all about the champions league and perhaps crowning Bayern munich as the best team in europe or we'll be talking about how neymar has finally lived up to his potential. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be a hell of a final. Um, if Chupo Mating scores a Champions League winning goal, well, I, I don't know if I'll be able to speak for a few weeks. I don't know if I'll, I'll ever record a podcast again. So that's another thing for people to root for. <laughs> right. <laughs> See you next time. Bye.